I want you to think about your favorite whatever, favorite food, favorite sports team, favorite uh, sport, favorite art, favorite uh, music, I, whatever your favorite is. Whatever it is, your go-to that, that, it, that you always seem to come back to, uh, I want you to think about that for a second. Then I want you to think about what is the thing that is in direct opposition to that. So like for me, I am a diehard, obviously you, many of you know this, Michigan State fan. Go green. And, and Boom. And uh, thank God we have some others here that are saved as well. Um, just kidding. Uh, so um, I am I'm diehard Michigan State fan. I cannot even for the life of me ever think about rooting for the other team from Michigan that's in the Big Ten, the team that shall not be named. I, I can't, that's not possible. Uh, we used to have a, a uh, we, I had a t-shirt and even a bumper sticker that said a house divided against itself cannot stand. And, and there's just no way, in Michigan, it's one of two kingdoms. Either you're in the kingdom of MSU Green or you're in the kingdom of that other school that's blue. And, uh, and so that's it. And you can think about whatever it is that you were just thinking about. You know, maybe you're a Pepsi person. You're like, I can never drink Coke. Or maybe you're a Coke person. You're like, I can never drink Pepsi. Everybody has these two kingdoms in our lives. And, and as we talked about last week, every single one of us face a reality of two kingdoms in our lives that are so much more more intense and more real and, and more effective than, than all these little kingdoms that we have of who we might root for or what we might eat and all this other stuff. We, we have two kingdoms, the world and God's kingdom. And, and you are pursuing one or the other. And, and here's, what, here's what the Bible says, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 17. Do not love the world, or anything in the world. What's that talking about? It's talking about the world's system. It's talking about the world's way of thinking, the world's way of living. It's not necessarily talking about, about things like the beauty of nature and creation and things that, that are going on around us that are awesome that we should be like, wow, that's incredible. That's, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about are you pursuing thinking like the world, living like the world, desiring the things of this world. See, that's the problem is, is that good things become bad things when, bet, when those good things become control over our life. And, and so he says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, listen to this, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father but from the world. Listen to what's gonna happen. The world and its desires pass away. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. Turn to somebody and say, forever. Go ahead and just tell them. Forever. Wake yourselves up. Forever. You cannot have one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of this world. Jesus even said, he's talking about, if you obey my commands, you're like a person who builds their house on a rock, and when the winds and storms of life come, it will stand. But if you disobey, if you don't do the things that I'm telling you, you're like a person who builds their house on sand, and it shifts and it moves, and when the things of this world come, it gets blown away. 
You think about it, if you were to stand on two objects, one that is absolutely not going to move, and then put your foot on another, and then all of a sudden stuff starts to happen, and that shifts, what is going to happen to you? You are going to come tumbling down. So you cannot tell me, yeah, I can have a world, I can have a foot in in the kingdom of heaven, and I can have a foot in the kingdom of of this world. No, you can't. Even James says, you're like someone who is an unstable man. You are tossed to and fro by the waves. The waves of this world. The the waves of life. So, So I ask this question again, and this is so important, because as we dive into the Beatitudes today, we need to understand what they're talking about, what God's talking about, what Jesus specifically is talking about is his kingdom. So which kingdom are you living for? Which kingdom are you living for? Which kingdom are you pursuing in your life? And let me tell you, it has everything to do with the condition of your soul, and that's why I asked this next question, how's your soul? Because that determines your behavior. It determines your choices, So what kingdom are you living for? How is your soul? And as we dive into the be attitudes, because who we be is what determines what we do, we need to understand that the beatitudes, this word attitude, it's a settled way of thinking or feeling that is reflected in a person's behavior. Now, what we're not striving for, please understand, I this is not what this message is about. This is not what, what we're striving to do with these is somehow modify your behavior. This is not behavior modification. That's what the world tells us we need to do is modify our behavior, do what you want to do, live how you want to live, define how you want to define it. That will solve everything for you. Really, how's that working out? How's that working out in our world today? Behavior modification is not the answer. What God's desire is, is soul modification. Because why? Because if he can modify our soul, then it will change our behavior and it'll be for eternity. And and so God is all about soul modification. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, the same attitude as Christ Jesus. All right, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Sermon on the Mount. Talked about this last week. If you weren't here last week and you need to listen to last week, go back and listen to last week later. Not right now. That'd be weird. Um, So listen to last week later. We talked about and set that up. Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is uh, speaking to his disciples. He opens his mouth which again was an indicator that he was going to pour out his soul. He's pouring out his soul into his disciples. He's pouring out his soul into the apostles. He's pouring out his soul into those who are listening. He continues to do that even to this very day. Every be attitude, notice again, be attitude, because who we be determines what we do. So, so what are you striving to be in your life? Every be attitude has two blessings. One of those is Blessed or blessed, every single one of them. Blessed are you, blessed are you, over and over again. This word describes something that's true about someone, not something that someone says is true about them. It is a reality, an inward state of truth, no matter how you actually feel. 
We live in a world that's all about, well, how do you feel? How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? The sad part about that is, is that I don't know about y'all, but my feelings are fickle and my feelings go up and down all the time. Anybody else in here have weird feelings? Anybody else, your feelings betray you? Anybody else is like, oh, I don't want, you know what? I had to do a wedding in Indianapolis on Friday. And, and I'm really, really glad I got to go do it, and I'm really glad that I got to be there. But my feelings at the beginning of the week were, Ugh, I really don't want to do that. That's, that's terrible. And, and yet that's how I felt. But I didn't base what I did on how I felt on Monday. But the world says, oh, no, no, no. That's the way you feel, then you should probably go that route. Good luck. In other words, this word blessed does not mean necessarily happy. One does not have to feel happy to be blessed. You can still be blessed and act as if you're not happy. Blessed is defined as one state of being in relation to God independent of how one feels about it at a given moment in time. I don't know about you, but there have been times where I have personally felt not blessed. Anybody else in here, or is it just me? But the Bible nevertheless declares that regardless of your circumstances, regardless of the trials, regardless of the afflictions of your life, you are still blessed by the one true living God. He loves you. And you're blessed whether you feel it or not. Blessed. Blessed means something that is not something that I can manufacture. I cannot create this. This is brought on by the Holy Spirit actively involved in my life. How does the Holy Spirit get actively involved in my life? Jesus. Through Jesus, by putting my faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in my life. And so when we talk about the attitude of Jesus and that we should have the same attitude as Jesus, same mindset as Jesus, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, the very first one, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What, is this, what does this mean, poor in spirit? Poor in spirit. Well, here's what it does not mean. In this sermon, it does not mean material poverty. Now, in Luke chapter 6, I believe in a different sermon on the mount, he is referring to material poverty, and we'll talk about that later, but this is not material poverty. It is not false humility. Did you guys know I wrote a book? Did you know I wrote a book? It's, it's called The Ten Most Humble People in the World and How I Found the Other Nine. Some of y'all are getting it. Some of it will get it later. We'll hear some laughter later. Um, it's not a false humility. It's not, oh, look at me. I'm so humble. That's, that's, it is not false humility. It is not an indicator that we should have an inferiority complex. It's not, it's not I should be like Eeyore. How many of y'all know Eeyore? Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore. 
Okay, so I practiced this all last night. We'll see how it goes. It's not much of a tail, but I'm kind of attached to it. Thank you. Thanks for humoring me. I appreciate that. Uh, I did. I, I seriously looked up the YouTube video and watched that and, and then practiced it. And anyway, stupid. Uh, so so it's, not, it's not being Eeyore. Some of you are Eeyores. I'm just saying, we need, we need some more rabbits, or not rabbit, uh, tigger, you know, pouncy, pouncy, pouncy. Uh, um, you know, anyway, I'll, I'm going to leave that now. It's not that. So what is it? Thank you. What is it? Being poor in spirit, it's admitting, it's admitting that I am spiritually bankrupt. It is admitting that I am spiritually in a dire situation. It is admitting that I bring nothing to the table of spiritual value apart from Christ. There is nothing good in me. The heart is deceitful and wicked above all other things. And and you and I... We need to recognize that we are poor in spirit, that we need to admit that because of sin, we are completely destitute. We are completely bankrupt, that we cannot do anything to save ourselves, that that we cannot change our spiritual poverty one iota. You and I have no ability to do that. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. He is declaring that before we can enter God's kingdom, we need to recognize the utter worthlessness of our own spiritual currency and our inability of our own works to save us. You cannot save yourself. You cannot pull up your bootstraps enough to save yourself. There is no way that you can save yourself. There's no way that you can do anything that would absolutely pay the penalty for your sin. Your sin, my sin, our sin makes us absolutely destitute spiritually. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it so clearly. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. What we need to understand is what, it, what, is, he, what, what is Paul talking about in those verses? It's Jesus only. Jesus only, not Jesus and. We, 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 we try to make it Jesus and. Jesus and my works. Jesus and my baptism. Jesus and this. Jesus and that. No, no, no. What we need to understand is the only thing that can save us, the only thing that can transform us, the only thing that can give us from, take us from death to life is Jesus only. Amen? Jesus is it. He's the only one that has paid the penalty for our sin. He's the only one who lived a perfect life. He is the only one who has come back to life of his own accord and is alive today. 
And because of that, he offers to you and I life. The problem is, the problem is, is that as the people were hearing this, what they had been taught, what they had been preached at, what they had been told over and over and over again is that you have to do the and stuff in order to be right with God. You have to be a certain group of people. You have to have a certain influence. You have to be a certain whatever in order to make the kingdom of God. And in the problem, the problem in most of the listeners would be like this. They would want to hear this. Blessed are the movers and the shakers, the successful, the famous, the powerful, the self-confident. But God's wisdom is much different from the culture in which they lived and much different than the culture in which you and I live. Blessed are the strong, for they shall rule the earth. Blessed are the mighty, for they shall rise to power. Blessed are the rich, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the influential, for they shall be favored. Blessed are the popular, for they shall be loved. Blessed are the gifted, for they shall be followed. Blessed are the beautiful, for they shall be admired. That's what our world tells us. Jesus says, no, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize they are bankrupt spiritually. Blessed are those who recognize they are destitute spiritually. See, the problem is, is that our ego gets in the way. And I love this acronym, and, I, and I, I cannot attribute it to a person because there was 15 different people that said it, they said it. So thanks to whoever else said it. This isn't my idea, but I love this. Ego edging God out. And we live in extremely ego-driven times. And everywhere we look, God is getting edged out. Edged out. Luke chapter 18, if you would turn there quickly, there's a story that Jesus shares a parable. It's more than that. It's really, a, it's really a true life story, I believe. But in verse 9 of Luke 18, he says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But notice verse 13. The tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice that this is in the present tense. Theirs is. 
Not someday will be. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is now the kingdom of heaven. Not just someday. Oh, praise God that the kingdom of heaven, for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, someday the kingdom of heaven will be our home. But the beauty of putting our faith and trust in Christ is not just about someday, it's about today. And today you can know that the kingdom of heaven is on your side. That the Jesus who died on the cross and rose again is in your corner and he loves you and he cares deeply for you and he's there for you no matter what you're going through. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Apart from him, I can do nothing. But with him, I can do all things. Jesus is in your corner now, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven now. When we declare spiritual bankruptcy and depend on the provision of God's Son, he gifts us heaven now. And we can experience a full and abundant life right now. The problem is, is that we try to define what an abundant life looks like through the eyes of our ego. And that's a problem. Because we always, when we do that, what ends up happening is, is God's definition doesn't measure up to what we think our definition ought to be. And so then we think we have not got an abundant life. And the truth be told is that you and I, as bankrupt spiritual individuals, as we depend on Jesus, Jesus takes us from bankrupt spiritually to absolutely wealthy spiritually. And the beauty of that is is that you and I, as we put our faith and trust in him, we depend on him for our eternality. We depend on him for our salvation. We depend on him for everything that we need. And the beauty of God's provision is it never runs out. God's provisions never run out. He he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All he's got to do is sell a few of them off. No worries. God's got this. He's in control. And even today in our world that seems so upside down and so messed up and there's wars and rumors of wars everywhere, God has not vacated his throne. He is still in control. Everything is happening according to his plan. And listen, God's plan is the best plan. Not yours, not mine. God's plan. Do we trust him? Do we lean on him? Do we look to him? See, the quickest way to become poor in spirit is to look at God. When you're in the presence of the one who is perfect, how can we boast about how good we are? God loves to bring us to the end of ourselves to expose our deficiency so that we can see his sufficiency. He loves to expose your deficiency so that you can see his sufficiency. He's got all I need, and he offers it all to me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the, what do we sing? All these things will be added to you. We empty, we ask God, empty us, Empty us, help us to see how empty we are so that you can fill us. And unless God fills us, 
we will forever remain empty. Can I ask you a question in closing? Are you missing out on the kingdom of heaven today? Right now? You're saying, I feel empty. I feel hollow. I feel desperate. I feel alone. I feel no peace. I'm not saying that your circumstances are all going great. That's not what, please, that is not what I'm saying. But in the midst of those, are you experiencing the kingdom of heaven today, right now? Because that's God's desire. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live empty. I want to live spiritually filled up. The only way that we're going to reach this world, the only way that we're going to make a difference for Christ as ambassadors for him is if we're being filled up by God and by God alone through his son, Jesus Christ. Are you missing out on the kingdom of heaven today? I'm going to ask you, would just close your eyes, bow your head. I don't know your heart. I don't need to. God does. There's going to be people up here at the front. There's going to be people at the back. These are individuals on staff here, or they are deacons. And uh, we would love to be able to pray with you. We would love to be able to help you. You're saying, I don't know Jesus. If you come up to one of us and say, I need Jesus, we will help you find him right here, right now. But the beauty of this is, is that there's people standing around you too in just a little bit as we stand to sing. There's going to be people standing around you and maybe you just want to turn to them. Maybe it's a friend that you came with. Maybe it's somebody that you know that's right near you and you just want to turn to them and say, I need Jesus. And you're going, oh, please, don't, don't, don't freak out. You don't got to worry about it. The Holy Spirit's got this. You can mess up all the words that you're going to say to your friend, and they still come to know Jesus. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about the Holy Spirit. So just say yes and be like, okay, I'll lead you. Maybe they just need to pray, and you, they turn to you and say, hey, would you pray for me? Just pray. You don't have to have a whole bunch of right words. What are right words? I don't even know. Just pray. The right words are what the Holy Spirit leads you to pray, so pray that. But we'll be down here in front. There's some at the back. We'd love to meet with you, pray with you, help whatever we can do. God, thanks for your unfailing love. Thank you that you take us from being poor spiritually to being rich spiritually in you. We have everything we need in you. God, would you help us to turn to you, to live for your kingdom, to really experience your kingdom today, here, now, in this moment, in our lives, as we live each day trying, striving to follow after you. Not perfectly, but 
at trying. God, thanks. Thanks for what you're going to do in this time. In Jesus' name. Let's stand. Let's sing.